Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Sheik needs to be in perfect years. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. Coming up on this week's show, we'll recap an impressive performance over North Melbourne. We'll talk injuries, waffle and preview this week's surprising danger game against Carlton. Plus, we will be answering your questions, as always, all throughout the show. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and I am joined this week by Miguel Sanchez. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, You're getting towards the pointy end of the season now, which is exciting and uh, nerve-wracking at the same time. Probably the closest race, I'm not sure, maybe this is one of those lines that gets trotted out every year, but I feel like it's the closest finals race at the top four for a long time. That that two through six bracket now is really tight, and uh, yeah, certainly a lot to unpack, which we will get into in just a moment, but also joining us on the show, back once again, is Keys. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, I echo your thoughts on the season. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think there's a clear favourite yet, and there's still a number of teams chalking for the Bradbury eighth position. According to the Melbourne media, Richmond's basically a lock for the premiership at this point. They have already won it, but uh, despite yeah. that, there was still a game on the weekend, so we might as well dive into it and unpack it just, just for fun, you know, given that the season's already passed us by. But anyway, let's dive into it. <music> West Coast Eagles, 18-13-121, defeated North Melbourne, 10 12 72. So North Melbourne kicked the opening goal here in about what felt like 30 seconds. Uh, and then after that, it was pretty much entirely West Coast Eagles. So there was a lot to like in the game. I think there's a chance it might have been one of our best wins, if not our best, most complete win of the season. First story out of the game, rumours of Josh Kennedy's demise were obviously pretty well exaggerated because JK kicked seven goals. He's finished with his 600th and 601st career goal. Great game all across the board, a lot of even contributors, and all in all, Miguel, a pretty good day at the office for West Coast Eagles. How did you find it? Yeah, it was one of those days where everything did seem to go right. Um, yeah, Kennedy obviously came roaring back into form, and yeah, Schofield on one of his podcasts was saying you know, to the, the talk of Kennedy retiring, oh yeah, please just keep writing off Josh Kennedy, please keep writing him off. Uh, and we saw why he, um, yeah, he looked like he was on from the outset and... Um, kicked seven goals, probably could have had more, but I think he probably spent a lot of the last quarter on the bench resting up. Apart from that, it was, as you said, a really even effort across the board. It was difficult to sort of define who our sort of standout players were after that because everyone just about was really good and there weren't a heap of um, standouts. And the coaches gave, I think, they both had Kennedy best on ground, but apart from that, they gave, I think, six or seven of our players um, split the rest of the votes. So... Yeah, very even effort. Probably the midfielders got the most of it. Yo and Shuey were good. Redden, I think his game went um, a little bit underrated. I thought he was very good on the day. Gaff and Sheed as well. Uh, Hickey did quite well in the midfield opposed to um, Goldstein. Lost the hitouts pretty comfortably, but sort of matched him around the ground and probably uh, curtailed his influence on, on getting hitouts to advantage. Uh, and our midfield just swamped north midfield. 
and yeah, we had I suppose winners on every line, and um, yeah, it was a, a good percentage boosting win that um, got us just over Brisbane into second spot. Uh, and yeah, nice little um, nice little one to bank and move on north. I don't know whether we looked hungrier or they were off a bit. I'm not sure, but particularly in that second half, we just seemed to be beating up on them. But yeah, other, otherwise, yeah, really good win. Keys, I'll throw to you here on your thoughts on the win, but also before you get into that, I just want to ask you a quick question. July 17, Glenn Quartermain has written an article for the West Australian saying that Josh Kennedy should retire. Headline, why it's time for Josh Kennedy to retire. Ten days later, seven goals, a perfect ten in the coaches' votes. Do you think that is the quickest that an article has blown up in the author's face? It'd be close, wouldn't it? Probably probably some of the, the scribes stick riding Melbourne before the prelim final last year might have been embarrassed a little bit quicker. But yeah, it didn't take didn't take long for Kennedy to find his feet again and, you know, prove him wrong. And I don't I think um watching the game, it seemed to me that they were they actually were looking for Kennedy a little bit more than, than normal and, and Darling went to that that sort of role where he might I think what Kennedy's been doing is being a little bit of a decoy, and I think Darling took that role over instead. So they, they sort of focused on going to Kennedy instead of Darling, just to get him back into it and, and remind everybody that, uh, yeah, we've got a pretty decent power forward up there that, you know, side's going to be hard to stop. And I think it was uh, it was also really nice of Jared Healy to post that stat pre-game that uh, Robbie Tarrant hadn't lost a single one-on-one this season so far. I think it took about five minutes for him to lose the first one, and then I think he lost about three or four for the rest of the match. So that was um, that was a nice little uh, way to start the game as well. Yeah, there was a lot to like, as you as you both touched on there, and a few even and interesting contributors across the board. You know, guys that perhaps you wouldn't put down as your first line contributors. Hickey had a great game. I thought Jackson Nelson had another terrific game. Uh, Miguel, I want to talk about Willie Rioli briefly. Not only did he kick what I believe is goal of the year, set up by a lovely cross from Jake Waterman, just flashed it across the box and, and Rioli got onto the edge of it, but also it looked to me like he was spending a lot more time in the middle. Uh, since he's returned from that suspension, round 15 he came back, he's had an increase every week in his output, six disposals, followed by nine, 13, 16, now 19. Uh, so last year we saw Rioli become quite a prominent feature in our midfield towards the end of the year. Do you believe that he's starting to build that fitness base up required? And, and how big of an asset is that to have Rioli able to swing through the guts? Uh, yes, I do. And, yeah, it's a huge asset. Um, yeah, he, I think, had his best game of the season. You know, it'd be interesting to see his um, kilometres covered stats because, yeah, he did seem to be getting a lot of his possessions, um, not a huge proportion of them, but for him, quite a few um, backward of centre. Uh, yeah, getting up the ground, he had some – just his skills are amazing. You know, that the goal of the year and then – uh, he had another one in the third quarter where he sort of he, you know, kicked it off the outside of the right boot where normally the kick would have to be a left-footed kick and he just sort of bananaed it off his right boot and perfect drill pass to Waterman that you know, had a defender right on his hip and had no chance of spoiling it. So just those skills are fantastic. And, yeah, if he's building his tank up after his interrupted start to the season, then, yeah, he's going to be a huge asset. We don't – we've got a really solid sort of – five or six in the midfield and then we sort of we rely on a lot of those small forwards to sort of pinch hit and and take some of the minutes and yeah for him to be able to do that is um is going to be a real weapon for us going into september keys 
keeping it with the small forwards, we've talked in recent weeks of how exciting it is that we have built this core of talented kids, some of them, and some of them a bit more mature, but all certainly very dangerous forwards. It wasn't necessarily the best day for all of them, though. So Jared Cameron had another quiet week. I thought Petrocelli was a little bit quiet as well. What did you make of that small forward mix? Uh, obviously, we've got Cripps to return. So, you know, is it the sort of thing where maybe it's time one of these younger guys perhaps had a rest? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, Cameron's probably six games in a row now for him. I think he's probably, that's perhaps just starting to catch up with him a little bit. I did go and watch training today and it was. I noticed Cameron was just walking laps around the boundary for the, for the most part. So I think maybe he, it's just, and he's a light frame, so it's not really surprising that he might be feeling the pinch a little bit. And I think that's that's showing. So it um, depending on, you know, Cripps is, I'm, I'm sort of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Yeah, Cripps is due back fairly soon. So I think they'll, they'll keep Cameron for another game at least until, at least until Cripps comes back. And, you know, I think with that small forward role, though, it, it can be a difficult one in that 10 or 12 possessions is can be a good game for a small forward. And I think, I don't know who it was, one of the posters sort of sort of made comment that Petrocelli had an almost game, and I think that's quite correct. Mm. You know, he, he, was, he was nearly there. So, you know, Ryan does tend to flash in and out of the game a, a, a little, but he's still, I, I think the beauty of those is as a collective, they're just super dangerous and, uh, you can sides can maybe focus on one and they, they, they risk then one of the other ones popping up and you know, I think Waterman sort of didn't get a lot of it, but he had a cut you know, got a couple of goals and you know, that was a it was a pretty good little cross that he did to, to Rioli to set up goal of the year. So he's he's sort of playing his role and and it's a little bit awkward for Waterman because I think the role he plays at that AFL level is a little different to what he's been asked to do at Waffle level. So He's just finding that adjustment a little difficult, but it's a pretty it's a pretty good front seven that we got, and I'm sure in the years to come it's gonna it's gonna continue to be exciting, and especially with Oscar Allen rolling through there at times too, he's he still does some really clever things, and most most times he touches the ball and ends up in a, in a scoring opportunity. He's uh, he's developing really really well. So one more guy I want to highlight who I felt had a really nice game on the weekend, and then perhaps we'll look a little bit further uh, beyond the North Melbourne game. But Miguel, what did you make of Lewis Jetta's game? I thought from myself where I was sitting, he again was integral, linking all the play out of the back 50. The kicking was as damaging as ever. He took on some really aggressive options and, and really drove, I suppose, every forward move. Um, interesting to note, he had 21 touches at 95% efficiency. 20 of them were on the defensive side of the wing, yet he still wound up with three inside 50s. So we know he can get onto them. And, uh, yeah, it really drove everything that the club did, I thought. Yeah, the, the um, other players seemed to be looking for him a bit as well. He, he had a lot of sort of given goes and one-twos coming out of that back line. Um, so whether maybe in the absence of Hearn and Duggan, they sort of they, they put more emphasis on him being the ball carrier coming out of the back line, maybe. But... Yeah, he was he was fantastic. I think I saw he had something like seven hundred and thirty meters gained or um, something like that. And yeah, to to kick at that sort of efficiency and when he uh, he takes the sort of risks he does, yeah, that was a great game. And yeah, he was definitely one of our better players. Keys, any parting thoughts specifically as it relates to the North Melbourne game before we move to you know a little more future facing discussion point? No, oh, I just think it was probably probably as close to a a full four quarters that, that we played this year. So it's just good that we, we we are just we're starting to get into into a proper gear, but 
you know, we've never really quite done that so far. And, and Northward, they're always going to be a bit of a tricky opponent. So to, so to put them away early and have that focus on a good start and make sure we got, got on top of them pretty well from the get-go, yeah, really nice result. was a nice result indeed. Helped out from where I, I was sitting, what I thought, by the inclusion of Will Schofield. He obviously had quite a nice game against Ben Brown. He held him pretty well all day, and I believe he's only wound up with two goals, both of which came very late. Now, Scoey poses an interesting question, I suppose, as we look forward. You know, he's, he's that no-nonsense, old-school, you know, 1% put-the-fist-in defender, which perhaps is quite suited to, you know, balances out the McGovern and the Barass intercept defender types. Tom Barras had a career-high 17 one-percenters. He was going the fist at every opportunity, so perhaps it even rubs off on his teammates. But, Miguel, this question comes from Jandamara, and it's an interesting discussion point as we build towards the finals. Jandamara asks, is Schofield in our best 22? So, basically, as we look at it, we've got this three talls, and it's almost four when you include Hearn. could even be five when you include Shepard. We do have quite a tall back line. But it is a dynamic that we saw work last season in finals. So on Schofield, do you think he's in our best 22? And then perhaps we'll broaden it out a little further and try and predict our best 22 as we get to the pointy end of the season. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think against some opponents he is. Um, and he was a really good match this week for Brown. And you know, that seems to be his real strength is taking on the, you know, the, the really big gorilla key forwards, the number one key forwards. So... You know, if if we're talking about the grand final 22, if we were playing Geelong in the grand final and you wanted him to play on Hawkins, then I I think he'd um he'd he'd be in there. Even I suppose last year we saw what he did against. He played on probably Dugowie for a lot of the game um, and did a really good job. Can so, I just, can I just quickly while you're going through potential finalist opponents? Yeah. There's not really anybody from that top five. I mean, Collingwood, I suppose, is perhaps the odd one out. But the, the the top five or even the top six, they've all got a guy I can see Schofield going with. You've got Hawkins. You've got Lynch or Rewalt. Brisbane have a lot of tall forwards. Jeremy Cameron's in terrific form. He's just crushing the Coleman at the moment. So from a matchups point of view, it's more a discussion of how many tall forwards do the guys have because I'd feel confident going in with Schofield as an option against those guys. Yeah, that's true. And um, I suppose the only issue is, and we might see this um, coming up this week, that you know, if we go in with a back line with all five of those guys you mentioned, are we a little bit too tall and a little bit too slow? On paper, it looks like it. I think it probably works. Those guys, you know, even though Hearn and McGovern aren't the quickest, they, you know, they're usually pretty good by foot. So, you know, they can be quick that way. Yeah, and you know, guys like well, Duggan, if he comes back in and Nelson can play on the, the smaller, quicker guys. Yeah, it's just, it's, Difficult, you know, Schofield sort of fell into that spot last year when Shepard got injured, but he would have been desperately unlucky to miss out. And the way it's going this year, someone's, barring injury, someone's going to be desperately unlucky to miss out again, I think. Yeah, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. And let's dive into the best 22 as we look at it beyond perhaps Schofield and that backline matchup. So, Keys, we were chatting before we came on air just about some of the locks. And I think we all agreed that there's 18 guys that are absolute, yep, dead certainty, lock them in. No need to discuss them. They are definitely going to be playing come finals. From the back line, obviously, Hearn, Barras, Duggan, Jeddah, McGovern, Shepard. From the midfield slash rucks, we've got Yo, Shuey, Gaff, Redden, Sheed, and Hickey. 
And from the forwards, Kennedy, Darling, Cripps, Rioli, Ryan, Allen. So there's some guys there that you can pretty much just, yep, put a line underneath them. They will be in the side. But beyond that, there's a couple of interesting discussions to have. So perhaps let's start in the back line. What does your quote-unquote best 22 look like as we approach finals? Yeah, it's a really, it's just that that seventh spot. I think there's six, as you said, there's six defenders that are basically penciled in. And then we've got the seventh spot, which is really coming down to either Schofield or, or Nelson, depending on matchups. And then we're fortunate enough, I think we've got guys like Paul Rotham and Watson that you know, can come if there's an injury, one of those three can come in. And, you know, they've shown at different times that. Uh, they can play their role and equip themselves well. So it really comes down to, to where we go with Schofield and Milton. And uh, you're probably looking at, at matchups. I'm going to pinch a little bit from the Arrival podcast, which is the coast-to-coast one that has uh, Daniel Kerr on it. And he, he made a very good point today regarding Schofield in that he thinks that sides, you know, they need a, and particularly us, we need one just our old-school lockdown defender who, who's basically his his almost single focus is just to, to shut someone down. And it allows, by him doing that, allows the likes of Brass and Govan and Hearn to, to zone off and do their intercepting. And he, he sort of also made the point, which I think he w- was very good, is that when you've got someone like Schofield back there, and particularly as an experienced player whose focus is purely defence, he does help focus the other guys as well. So they're, they're thinking, oh, look at that guy. He's locking down on him. We need to make sure we're still doing our role and looking after our man. And Schofield's we look more settled when when Schofield's back there, I think. We look better balanced. The danger, I think, with Schofield down there, as you said, is we're probably a little on the tallest side. Um, and that exposes us if, if our midfielder getting cut up and the opposition sort of getting the ball in there quickly, I think we can be exposed for, for pace and uh, and mobility. So that's where if our mids are doing their job and, and putting pressure on the ball carrier coming in, our defence can hold up really well and become a really good effective rebounding tool. But we, we do run the risk of being exposed with big quick ball coming in, which is probably true of most defences, to be honest. But it is it is running the risk of being too tall. So, yeah, it really does come back to matchups between Schofield and Nelson. So, good problem to have, to be honest. Yeah, and it's one where there'd be no perfect answer as well. If you were to pick Schofield and a small gets off the chain, there'll be a lot of what-ifs. If you were to pick Nelson and, you know, we're getting beat in the air, well, again, a lot more what-ifs. So, no perfect answer, but you're right, it is a strong position to be in. Uh, now, Miguel, we'll take a look at the midfield. As I said, there's six locks here. Yo, Shui, Gaff, Redden, Sheed, Hickey. In the system that the Eagles have been using the last few weeks, we need to find two more. For me, Maston and Hutchings seem like the likeliest options, but you know, we also made the point before we came on air that there is a bit of a blur between the midfield and forwards because we've got guys now. Rioli can come up into the middle. Hutchings we've seen tag off the half-back line, so uh, off the half-forward line, I suppose. So uh, it's an interesting one to have, but for, me, for the midfield, if you had to pick your eight, who are you going with for finals? Yeah, I think when when we talk about the eight in the middle, I think it's really sort of the, the we've been going with the six midfielders and um, uh, you know the, and the ruck combination, and then we've had you know, as we talked about the pinch hitters from coming up from the forward line. 
if you look back on last year, we had the premiership midfield, which you know, worked really well. And you know, before Gaff got suspended, he was um, uh, Sheed was out of the side because we, uh, when he was in there, we were carrying one two one extra midfielder, and didn't really have anywhere to put him. Um, and I think uh, at the moment it's quite well balanced because Hutchings is out of the side, um, and so we've got the other premiership midfielders um, plus Gaff in the side. When Hutchings comes back, it, uh, it, it either comes down to whether you play Maston or Hutchings in that, that one remaining role. Um, and then if you play Maston, then maybe you give Hutchings a role in the forward line as a defensive forward, which he was doing for um, a couple of weeks before he got injured. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, there's going to be one of those guys miss out, I think, as well. And, and then we get to the ruck combination. I don't know if you want me to talk about that, but I think um, our ideal ruck combination for the finals would be Hickey and Nat Nui. Uh, and that means we'd have to probably find a spot for Allen somewhere else. But, you know, worst case scenario, if Nat Nui doesn't play, then um, the Hickey-Allen combination has worked really well of late, um, even against, you know, Gorn and Proust, who are one of the better ruck combination around and definitely the biggest ruck combination around. So if it can work against them, it can probably work against uh, Grundy and um, a lot of the other um, sort of premiership sides, the top, Four top six sides don't have great ruck divisions. Stephen Martin at Brisbane is probably the better of them. But yeah, just so midfield, it's probably going to come down to Maston and Hutchings for that last spot. And then question of whether Nat Nui is fit for the second ruck spot. Nat Nui, we will get into a little later on in the pod. We've got another question that we will finish up this week's episode with. Uh, It's a little bit more specific, perhaps, than just your general best 22 chat. So I'll put that one on the back burner for now. But keys back to you. We'll take a look at the forward line. Kennedy, Darling, Cripps, Rioli, Ryan, and most likely Allen. Those guys are all non-negotiable going to be playing through finals, if healthy. So from there, we need to find a couple of other bodies to fill out that forward line. We've got Petch, we've got Cameron, perhaps Waterman, perhaps Archie. Who are the guys that you would like to see come in to round out that forward line best 22? Yeah, I think probably from what we've seen over the year, I think, Petricelli's the the seventh guy. I think he's his form over the course of the year is probably slightly ahead of Cameron's. So he he'd get the nod. The only way that moves differently is if you've decided to play Hutchings as a rather than as a mid, but as a defensive half forward like he did against Saad. So so then it becomes another like, similar with the back line, it becomes a match up type thing. You know, a choice between perhaps Hutchings and Petricelli. If if there's a role for Hutch to tag a, a rebounding halfback flanker, so you know maybe you know if it's Richmond, you, you perhaps look at him playing on Hawley, GWS. You maybe look at him going to to Williams, Brisbane. Um, yeah, is Daniel Rich coming off halfback these days? Yeah, you yeah, could probably send yeah, him to probably Rich. to Rich. So so then it, it, it's. It's a bit of a structure type thing, whether you want to try and cut their rebound or you want to, you know, use someone like Petrogelli to, uh, you know, to try and open them up and, um, you know, exploit our, you know, that forward line pace really, really hammer at home with those, the likes of Cripps and Rioli and Ryan and Petrocelli. That's that starts giving forward lines, uh, sorry, the uh, defenders real headaches because they're quick and they've they've all got reasonable sort of tanks so and then yeah you've got you know the likes of Archie and Waterman sort of sitting in the sidelines as to if there's injury cover or or what 
whether they come in or you know play a slightly different role. So, you know, we've sort of got a a good squad of you know probably close to thirty players that you can you can pull from, which is a really good position coming into uh, coming into finals. Yeah, it's going to be some unlucky guys come September, I think. And we saw last year, you know, the unlucky guys were the injured ones. I suppose it'll remain to be seen whether you know, the unlucky guys this time are um, you know, people missing out through injury or uh, whether you know, if, if we get some of the, um, the injured players back and we've, um, we don't suffer anymore, it might be some guys just getting squeezed out due to you know, being the, the 23rd to 30th players on, on that list that we've just been through. Certainly an interesting discussion to have. Uh, as I said, look, probably no perfect answer, and there will always be that match-up question that needs to be factored in, I suppose, when you're picking a 22. But perhaps what we'll do, look, we'll leave it there with the 22, but maybe what if we do this? Let's say no Nat Nui. We'll, we'll put a line through him just for the purpose of this exercise. And uh, once the podcast goes up and in the podcast thread, why don't we all just post our best 22? Uh, we won't converse I suppose with each other and and you know align on one let's just put your own personal best 22 and we'll see if we line up any at all or, or how we go with that one so perhaps that's something we'll do uh yeah in the next couple of hours after the pod maybe you guys that still have accounts oh yeah well maybe you can send me one and I'll bloody <laughs> yeah I'll have to I'll, yeah. I'll post on your behalf sorry Miguel yeah, sorry to open old, old wounds just like that <laughs> All right, look, let's move along to some injuries and we had some surprisingly positive news on the injury update. Uh, a couple of guys have seemed to fly through their recovery as has almost been a bit of a trend this year, thankfully. So Liam Duggan, Shannon Hearn and Mark Hutchings all listed as tests, all written on the club website as perhaps inclusions this week should they get through the fitness test. So uh, Hearn, obviously it's, it's time for him to come back, a late out against Melbourne and obviously miss the North Melbourne game. Duggan coming off what was feared to be quite a serious ankle injury, and he's made a good recovery from that. And Hutchie as well getting through with the hamstring recovery. Keys, your thoughts? We'll get to changes obviously later, but assuming these guys get up and are cleared to play, is there anyone you want to stick in cotton wool, or are you happy that once the club clears them, let's just bring them straight back in? Yeah, I think Hearn definitely plays. I think he was pretty close last week, but they wisely erred on the side of caution with him. So that was that was good. Hutchings has been he he's sort of been in full training or close to full training for a little bit now, so he's ready to play. It's just a matter of whether or not we we select him and he plays waffle or or AFL. I'd be off a hemi. I'd be inclined to bring him back through the waffle, but you know I think the fitness guys are actually doing a a pretty reasonable job this year. I think they've got a quite a good handle on guys coming back, and if they're, if they're ready, they they're making sure they're ready to come back in. Um, Duggan, I think I watched him train today. He did most of the session, but he there was a couple of things he just sort of went off to the side and did things. I I think he probably needs another week, or maybe just to to come back and play maybe managed minutes in the in the waffle, and then Cripps is Cripps is a week away. Um, but I don't think. I think the side's going well enough that the likes of Duggan and Hutch, we don't have to to rush them back in necessarily. I don't think we have to panic them in. So, yeah, see how we go. But it's good that the guys are are recovering and we're we're getting close to a to a full list available. There's only really Venables and Nat Nui that are done, and I suppose 
disappointing news for Brady Ria. He's got a stress fracture in his leg. Um, so he's out probably for the season, I'd suggest, which is disappointing for him. But, yeah, not not a great deal of impact on the on the club in, in the sense that he's, it's called hard lie today. He's, you know, one of the probably bottom four or five players on our, on our list. So, yeah, encouraging news on the injury front anyway. Josh Smith is the other one. Oh, He's sort of, I think, still four to six weeks away. And yeah, he was. Yeah, he he did next to nothing today. So I think you you're just about borderline putting a line through him for the season. You know, four to six weeks. It's that's sort of finals. And I think if if the if the Beagles do get to finals, they're probably not. I don't think they're going to go very deep. So there's not a lot of chance for him to get any game time or anything like that for finals. So you. You're probably just about putting a line through him, unfortunately. Well, speaking of the Beagles, let's move along to their day at the office uh, on the weekend. And in polar opposite to the West Coast Eagles, the West Coast Beagles had a really tough time of it. They came up against the powerhouse that is the Subiaco Football Club. Subiaco really rolled them uh, 4 7 31, defeated by the Lions 15 9 99. Uh, a couple of guys jump off the page at you when you're looking just at the box score. Obviously, a, a tough afternoon at work, but Hamish Brayshaw seemed to make the best of it with 25 disposals and eight tackles. Matt Allen had 20 touches. Rotham, 19 touches with 10 marks. So he just you know, continues to press his case to be that, that first guy in should anything happen to any of our defensive players. Jared Brander, 16 touches and a goal. And Kurt Mutimer, again, another nice outing for the Beagles. 22 disposals, six tackles couple of inside 50s as well. So, Keys, I believe you saw a little bit of the game. Not a lot to take out of a beatdown at the hands of Subiaco, but perhaps a few individual performances to like. Yeah, I, I, I didn't watch the whole game. I watched bits of it. Look, Subi are clearly the best team in the in the waffle, and they proved why. We had, I think, eight top-up players. So we had guys, eight guys out of MOs playing against the against the side that's lost one waffle game in the last 40 or something ridiculous. And then aside from that, you had the guys like O'Neill, Foley, Ainsworth, Bailey Williams, and I think at least one other. You know, they're only first or second year players on an AFL list. So it was a pretty inexperienced side. Um, and that showed, got beaten up through the middle a little bit. And our forward entries were pretty chaotic and, and didn't really give the forwards much chance to get a hold of a hold of anything. And conversely, the Subiaco were able to move the ball pretty cleanly into their forward line, which made it a difficult day for the defenders. My main takeaway on it was uh, was Bailey Williams. I thought he, he continued to jump up in the ruck and continues to show improvement through the season. And you know, he was close to selection a week ago with. Um, for the Melbourne game, got as a travelling emergency. Uh, I thought he he actually showed a bit. Brander kicked a really nice goal from from outside fifty. So bits and pieces, but there wasn't. You know, look, they lost by ten goals in the finish, which was a probably a good, ref, you know, fair reflection on the difference between the sides. So there wasn't wasn't really a hell of a lot to take away from it, from what I saw, unfortunately. Archie play because I haven't seen too much about him. He um, was his first game back for a while, but he was you know, he did well in his AFL. Um, he's won AFL game and he's sort of been talked about as a potential replacement in that forward line. Did he stick his hand up at all? Um, he got a he got a B 
bit of a corky fairly early, and that seemed to hinder him a little bit. It wasn't a, it wasn't a great game for March. He, he, he sort of battled on, but was sort of swamped by numbers. But I, I do think he, he did seem that he, he got a cork. I think in the first quarter, and that did, that did limit him a little bit. So you probably need to. I think he still end up around about twenty possessions off the top of my head. But what I saw, he wasn't having a great impact. They certainly missed Brady Gray's presence around the midfield. Yeah, tough one for the Beagles, but they, interestingly, in a, a bit of a quirk of the fixture, I suppose, have a very good chance to redeem themselves this week. They play Swan Districts, who are dead last on the Waffle Ladder, 2.15pm on Saturday at Steel Blue Oval, and uh, hopefully the Beagles can get back onto the winner's list. They should definitely get back onto the winners list. I reckon we could get 22 people off the board and beat Swan Districts at the moment, the way they're travelling. <laughs> Alright, well, I'll, uh, I'll post a thread and I'll see if we have any takers. <laughs> Moving on, the main event of the week is, of course, the West Coast Eagles versus Carlton at Marvel Stadium this Sunday, 1.20pm in WA. And uh, guys, the race to the finals, as we mentioned up top, really close. It's only a matter of percentage, differentiating a few teams. There's some clubs that are in desperate need of a win. There's a hot chasing pack. So it's always nice to know you can just walk along to Victoria and have an absolute percentage booster over terrible cellar-dwelling Carlton, right? Well, wrong, because the Blues are apparently a completely different football team now. They've figured it all out under new head coach David Teague. He's 5-2 and two since taking over from Brendan Bolton. Bolton was 3-30 and 30 in his last 33 games as Blues coach before being sacked. So, Miguel, I mean, at the start of the year, you might have circled this one for a percentage booster, and now you're circling it as perhaps one of the true danger games of the season. What do we expect this Sunday? Yeah, I certainly wouldn't be penciling it in, in as a win. Um, I have seen some comments about some of Carlton's wins are due to their easy draw, but they've beaten Brisbane in particular and Adelaide, although Adelaide aren't travelling too well at the moment. You know, among those five wins, so yeah, they're um, they're definitely not going to be an easy beat. Yeah, it's going to be a uh, a really tough game. So yeah, I think everything coming out of the club has been suggesting that they're you know, they're not taking anyone lightly and they're not taking anything for granted. And um, Jack Redden said earlier in the week that they're not going out there worried about percentage. They're just sort of worried about um, you know executing their game plan and doing that over four quarters. And yeah, if you do that, then the uh, the results will come. But, yeah, definitely a danger game. We seem to be saying that every week, though, that it's a danger game. North was a danger game. We won that by 49 points. So, um, yeah, hopefully we, we get across the line. Um, we've got a pretty good record in Melbourne over the last couple of, ye- couple of years and uh, we'll go in deserved favourites. But, yeah, can't be taking anything for granted. That's correct. Obviously, Teague, the great story out of Carlton, another really good story out of Carlton is Patrick Cripps. He's been absolutely dominant all season, as he often is over the last few years. But an interesting discussion to be had, Keys, around how we go about that matchup. You know, we've got some tagging options. We could bring Hutchings back in, perhaps. We've seen Nelson tag. We've seen Yogo head-to-head with these sorts of guys. But just having a look at the numbers, when Cripps was tagged by DeBoer and Clark in the GWS and Essendon games, he uh, he had 12 touches and 11 touches, respectively. So, Eleven and a half disposals in the two of the games he's been really, really well tagged. Now, comparing to 26 disposals on average in all of his other games, he's fresh off a 39-touch outing against Adelaide. Uh, he's third in the coaches' votes. He's, he's six off the lead for the best player in the coaches' mind this year. So, Keys, really tough matchup, and certainly one of the keys to stopping Carlton, stopping Patrick Cripps. So how do we go about that this weekend? Yeah, he's obviously a very important player for him, but I think one of the 
one of the differences in part of Carlton's resurgence is that he's not having to do it all by himself at the moment. I think earlier in the year, you know, it was, yeah, shut down Crips and you really did shut down Carlton completely. No one else was stepping up. But, you know, in recent times, you know, Walsh is having a good first year and, and Murphy's sort of rediscovered some form and, you know, they are getting a little bit, you know, Crips is getting a little bit more help through that midfield and, you know, had monster game against uh, against Adelaide, who you know really didn't seem to be putting too much attention on him. So I think we've got we've got two options with Cripps. The one I most like is Yo. It's the sort of Cripps is the type of player that I would really set himself for. He, he likes those challenges. You know, he's, he's done well in the past against the likes of Fife and Dangerfield and and Dustin Martin. I think he takes it as a like a personal insult. If those guys get away from him, and he and he's demonstrated the ability to not just shut or limit those guys' influence, but to to still have an impact the other way, and so that's that's where I, I'd be heading. I would, and it means that if Carlton want to send Kerno to to Yo, uh, it gives us a little bit of a it, it throws their plans out a little bit as well. So uh, the only other option, I think. I wouldn't be thinking Nelson. That's too big a ask for Nelson. But uh, Hutchings possibly to go to Cripps. I think Hutchings is a little bit undersized, and if Hutchings comes into the side, I'd rather see him play on someone like uh, Simpson on half back and and try and nullify the drive that he gives them. So that's the way I'd be going. Um, just on Carlton as an opponent, it's sort of one of the things that um, that sort of puzzles me is and worries me a little bit is the last three years we've actually had a bit of difficulty with um with Carlton you know we've only you got to go back to 2015 where you have a um a game where you call it a proper flat track the last three years you know they've only been sort of two or three gold margins so for whatever reason they have they have troubled in the past I think partly that's because I think Bolton's Tended to park the bus against us and and just tried to limit the damage. Teague is adopted a more attacking approach with Carlton, so that might play into our hands a little bit because I think we've got a bit more firepower up. If if he wants to turn it into a bit of a shootout, we've got more forward firepower than what one like they do. But it's a yeah, very interesting matchup. A couple of very good points there, Kays. Uh... The Simpson matchup was the next one I wanted to discuss, so Miguel will get that into that in a second. Just just on that Carlton game and the propensity, I suppose, for Bolton to really park the bus, last year uh, we played them early on in the season. We only won by 10 points, and for me, I can remember that game, and I referred to it a lot of times throughout the season uh, last year and indeed early in this year, where they did really park the bus. They put two guys loose behind the play, and oftentimes you'll see our midfields win the ball really cleanly, uh, that quick chain of handballs, you get it out to a guy who should have a release kick inside 50, and then inexplicably on the television, he stops and goes back and runs back into traffic and kicks it backwards or handballs it backwards, and you just can't figure out what the hell's going on, why aren't they pumping it in? Now, we haven't played Carlton with this new 666 setup in the rules, so perhaps some early quick ball movement is the key to defeating that, and also perhaps the Teague uh, philosophy change, perhaps we'll, we'll see how that shapes this matchup. But Miguel... Cade Simpson, uh, a veteran, a very well-respected veteran in AFL football, but still getting it done at a high level. He had 31 touches on the weekend and a real driving force off the back line for them. 
We've seen Hutchings tag as a half forward before and, and earlier on this season it's a new string that he's added to his bow. So is that something you want to see Hutchings come in for this week? Or if not, what do we do about the Cade Simpson issue? Uh, congratulations on getting the string to his bow. Um, yeah, correct. He's, he's only gone and done it. Yeah, much better than me last week. Yeah, I um, that's definitely the matchup I'd be um, looking at bringing Hutchings back in to, to do. Um, yeah, he had um, really good results doing it against uh, Saad and um, well, Impey. Um, I think Impey got injured. No, sorry, Hutchings got injured. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, he had good results in the first half against Impey doing that as well. So yeah, I think harking back to our conversation about the best 22, I think that's probably, well, if it's not our best 22, it's worth having a look at in these last few rounds is yeah, Hutchings as a defensive forward, and yeah, Simpson's the perfect candidate for it uh, for the, for this week. So, yeah, not to preempt my changes too much, but yeah, I'd be bringing him in probably for Cameron, who's looked a bit sore, and, and getting him to do a job there. Well, in fact, let's preempt the changes. Let's dive right into the changes because there's another couple of things I wouldn't mind talking about, but we need to double check that the guys in question are actually going to play before we uh, unpack it all. So, so let's do that. For me, my change is pretty simple. Hearn comes in, uh, as Keyes mentioned, he was obviously quite close to playing against North, but it'd be fantastic to have him back. So Hearn will come in for Watson, unfortunately. Uh, I liked what I saw out of him in the first two games of his AFL career, but there'll be other opportunities. It's Shannon Hearn, you know, it's just the reality of the business. So Hearn for Watson and Hutchings comes in for Waterman. Hutchings can play that defensive forward role on Simpson, which I think we're all in agreement is a pretty smart option. And uh, yeah, Waterman just looked a little bit lost and and I, I had him as an out last week. He's now had two games back-to-back. Petrocelli's game was described as an almost game earlier. There are a few almost moments from Waterman, but a few people on the board pointed out he looked absolutely exhausted out there as well. So perhaps time to go back to the waffle and maybe play the same role in the waffle or continue to shred as a key forward. I'm not too fussed, but Hearn Hutchings, Watson, Waterman are the changes for me. Keys, your changes? Yeah, I'll probably, I'd probably echo that. I was thinking Hutchings for Cameron, but yeah, I, I think Waterman's probably a, a better out. I think on Superhero Stadium, it's a fast deck. Uh, I think Cameron's speed on, on that would be fairly handy. Carlton are not a super physical side, I don't believe, so uh, he's not likely to get knocked around as much in that game. So i probably, yeah, make same changes. And then you're sort of looking at Cameron coming out the following week for, for Cripps. I think particularly with Cripps out of the side, I, I, I think it's important to have Hutchings as a as an accountable one to, to play on Simpson to keep the defensive pressure on. And I think he, he'll do a better job than that, than uh, than what Waterman would be able to do. And I think with Kennedy, Darling and, and Allen up forward, we've got enough marking power without wanting to... Um, Without needing Waterman up there as well, so yeah, and and Hearn for Watson's pretty much a a, uh, a no brainer. It's just the realities of football. Hoods, you know, if you're coming out of the side to make way for Hearn, that's not anything to be embarrassed about. Miguel, your changes for the weekend? Yeah, the only issue I suppose with Watson coming out for Hearn is, you know, as we talked about before, it does make us pretty big in that back line. But yeah, I don't really see a way around that. I think um, I don't think. Carlton don't have a particularly speedy forward line, I don't think, so that kind of helps us. Yeah, that's true. But they also they don't seem to have a, a big back line, a big forward line. So, I don't know, is there a match-up for Schofield? Not that's jumping off the page at me. They sent Casbolt forward this week after sort of flip-flopping him back and forward in the early games of uh, Teague's tenure with the club. But 
Uh, yeah, not not a, a huge, sort of a, a very mid-sized, I mean, the midfield's quite big. The midfield would be bigger than an average AFL midfield, uh, but the forwards seem to be pretty well mid-sized across the board and similarly with the backs. Yeah, I think one of the things I noticed, I only saw highlights of the Carlton Adelaide game, but they've got Mackay. Mackay's pretty sadly out of form, but he's he can take a grab and Kaz Bolt. But the, the player who seemed to clunk a few up forward was... Um, Phillips pushing forward in the ruck. And one of the things that struck me with the North Melbourne game is, uh, which I quite like, is they didn't tend to push Hickey back too often. They kept him between the arcs. And I think it was quite a few ruck contests where Barraswick was taking them when it was in our defensive 50. Scully Um, actually took quite a few. Yeah. Um, So I think if uh, we're going to go down that path to try and, you know, keep, Hickey from getting gassed, you know, Schofield or, or McGovern or Brass can come up and, and pick that Ruckman up when uh, when he pushes forward. Might depend a little bit too on, because I don't think Cruiser didn't play against Adelaide, I don't think. No, that's correct. So they said he was know. managed, so he might be back. Yeah, so, you know, if he comes back in, that, you know, they probably, they, they may well still play Phillips, which does give them a bit more height up forward. So I, I still like the idea of Schofield back. Schofield's also showing that he can play on smaller players as well because he's for his size, he's, he's still quite mobile, even if he is 30 years old. Uh, Miguel, so Hearn, Hutchings for Watson and Waterman. You're happy to echo those. Any any other tweaks or alterations you'd like to make to the changes? Uh, I think I had Cameron out just because I think he, he's looked really sore. Um, and as Keyes said, he didn't, do much at training this week and he hasn't kicked a goal in a couple of weeks he's been really quiet i did hear during i think the first half of the game that he might have copped a knock or something i haven't seen that repeated anywhere and he wasn't on the injury list um that came out today which we all know is gospel (laughs) uh so uh, yeah um he was sort of my pick to be the you know the one with the uh the undisclosed injury that um is announced on thursday or friday uh, if if he's fit, then yeah, probably Waterman. Um, given that we're going in quite tall in the back line, just maybe for team balance, we yeah leave Waterman out and uh, and leave Cameron in and have all those nippy small forwards around um, Kennedy and Darling's uh, heels. Yeah, Waterman. Yeah, he's been struggling. Um, I think he's probably playing Cripps's position, but doesn't have the tank yet of Cripps and doesn't have the mobility and uh, def- defensive pressure of Cripps. So. Um, yeah, he's struggling in that role. It's obviously very different from what he's playing in the waffle. And yeah, they need to decide, I think, whether they want him to play that role and if he goes back to the waffle or um, uh, continue as the spearhead, which he's been very good at at, uh, at that lower level. But yeah, they would, so they would be my... I'd echo those changes that you guys have said with the, the caveat that I think Cameron might be due for arrest. So a couple of milestones coming up in the game as well. Elliot Yo playing his 150th game. He obviously arrived in a trade from Brisbane back in 2013. My understanding is that he wanted to go to Frio or he's a Frio fan growing up, but they didn't want a bar of it. So pick 28 for Elliot Yo. Uh, that became Lewis Taylor. But yeah, pretty pretty cruisy price to pay given the output that we've seen from Yoey. And also Jackson Nelson uh, shaping for his 50th if the changes go the way that we think they will. Uh, he's going to play his 50th game for the Eagles. Pick 51 in the 2014 draft. Now, Keys Nelson's an interesting one. He's been in and out of the side for long stretches over the course of his career. 
Uh, he's got a bit of mongrel in him. He, he endeared himself to the Eagles faithful as a youngster because he had a lot of fight, but hasn't been able to really carve out a spot. This is probably his best stretch of footy in the blue and gold that we've seen thus far. Yeah, it is. Um, I think he, when he first came on, he, he showed a bit. He's, he's just sort of struggled. I think he, he's played the first part of last year, but then Cole overtook him, and now he's sort of jumped back in front of his one-time housemate, and he's got that spot. I think it's his his to lose. Yeah, I think he, he's had he's had a good month. He's playing playing with himself. I think he's sort of worked out his role a little bit better, and and um, I, I don't think he bites off more than he can chew too often anymore. And he's a good good little lockdown defender. Um, so yeah, good luck to him. He did do an interview on 6PR last night, which means the club trotted him out. So I suspect that um, it's their their plans to, to keep him in the side for this week at least. So, yeah, it's it's good to see someone like that who's, who's fighting for a contract for next year too. He's out of contract end of this year. So a little bit of motivation for him to, to keep stringing some, some good games together. And Miguel, just on Yo, a quick one, I suppose, because really what more can be said about Elliot Yo that hasn't been said already? Uh, 150th coming up this weekend. Just how, how great has it been watching Yoey go to work over the last few years? Yeah, and particularly in the last sort of couple of months, he's been one that I think's really stood up and just you know decided you know, after that Geelong game, we were sort of in the doldrums a bit and uh, we were folding the club on here. And he, he in particular, I think, was one that sort of stood up and said, no, we're not having that. And yeah, he's he's had a few games this year where he's um he's almost dragged us over the line uh, in the last quarter. So we've probably waxed pretty lyrical about him over the last few years as it is. But yeah, it's uh it's uh difficult to say any more than that. I just re- was reminded when you were talking about what we paid for it in a trade for him. I think there were quite a few people who were pretty unhappy with that after his first year when Lewis Taylor, did he win the Rising Star or yeah, he at least he, got close? No, I think he, he did. did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so the people are pretty unhappy with that, but I don't think anyone would be too unhappy anymore. No. Um, yeah, I think we, we definitely won that trade. Yep, that's absolutely fair to say. Hopefully, Yoey can have a good game this weekend. He's elevated himself now where he's, you can include him when you're talking about the really top midfielders in the competition, like the Fife and Fife, Dangerfield, Martin, those sort of guys, I think Yo can be included in that company now. He, he is one of the prime moving midfielders in the comp. Right, let's take it back to the Carlton game this weekend. It is prediction time. Miguel, we'll start with you. Who's going to win? Who's going to be the best eagle afield? Uh, well, we, we've talked about it being a danger game, but I think we, sh- we should still win. Sorry, I'm just trying to bring up my notes to see what I picked for the margin. Uh, it's very important to... Remain consistent with myself. Uh, twenty-one. I picked us by twenty-one points, and I've picked Darling to be best on ground. Uh, he has been the main guy for most of this season. He had a game as second fiddle to Kennedy, but I think he'll bounce back and um, not bounce back. He'll stand up again, and Kennedy will go back to being sort of the decoy. And Darling will have a big game. Yep, I like that. I like it a lot. Keys, your thoughts for how this weekend's game is going to unfold? Yeah, I think it's going to be a real battle. I think we can. Uh, Sneak over the line, I think maybe 12 points. And I'm going to I'm going to go with Yo. I think he'll he'll get given the challenge to shut down Cripps and expose him the other way. And I think he'll uh, he'll rise to that challenge and, and be a, a match winner for us. For me, I've got the Eagles by 23. I think Luke Shuey is due for a very big game, not only, as I said, because perhaps he's due and it's you know been building up for a few weeks, but also 
with the Yo and Cripps matchup that we're all assuming will eventuate, I think that Carlton will put a bit of time into helping out Cripps and, and you know making some space from Yo, putting a body on, perhaps even sending a, a half tag or just a couple of blocks around the contest. And maybe that frees up Shuey, a little less attention on him, and we can see him get back to that Norm Smith best that we've certainly seen in the past. Question time before we finish up this week. We have a question from Cranky Al, and it is, you know, an interesting time for it, given our Best 22 discussion earlier on in the pod. So Al asks, if we were to make the grand final, how would we approach an underdone Nat Nui? So the way I'm going to frame this to you, Miguel, let's say that Nat Nui has not played, but he is clear to play. Perhaps he's even played some waffle if the Beagles are still going. The point is, he's yet to return for the AFL, but he is clear to play. We can pick Nick Nat Nui for the grand final. So if that were the case, how would you approach it? And uh, what would be the ruck combination that you'd go with? Holy shit. Um, If... If he's clear to play, I think you play him. Um, we we said pretty much constantly during the three weeks that he did play this year um, about you know the side walking taller when he's out there. So yeah, if he's um, even close to one hundred percent fit, even off no practice, I think you you play him. Yeah, just the lift he gives us in the middle. Um, yeah, it would make him a certain pick. Uh, I said earlier in the the best twenty two discussion that I think our best ruck combination uh, at the moment would be Hickey and Nat Nui if they're both available. Uh, Oscar Allen, I think you you still make room for him somewhere up there, and then you sort of have to juggle and be one of the small forwards missing out. And it would, you know, maybe be someone like Petrocelli who would get squeezed out, which would be really unfortunate for him. But you know, we've got these unfortunate stories uh, in grand finals every year. And um, I was on the Coast to Coast podcast this year. They were, um, we were Punda was talking about you know, how close he was to missing out, and Jamie Graham would have been a premiership player then. So. Yeah, you get those stories every year. Someone will be unlucky. But, yeah, I think if, if Nick Nat's available to play, even off no practice, you play him, definitely. Big shout-out to Jamie Graham while we're going. Uh, 2007 Honey Badger 35. Thought it was a good idea. I bought a, bought a jumper, stuck a 22 on the back. So, good day, Jamie. Uh, Keys, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. He just he spoke to me. Keys, the same question for you, Ray Nat Nui. Do you, is it match-up dependent for you, perhaps? Or do you just think maybe if he's cleared to play, we make him one of the big ins in grand final history? Yeah, I, it, it's hard to um, make a case to leave him out. I, my own view is, I don't think it gets to that, in the in the sense that I think they will monitor how he's going with his recovery. If he's not going to be ready for finals, I think they'll they may very well pull the pin and and operate on his ankle. Um, so I don't know if they get to the point where. He's still trying to get his fitness up prior to the grand final. I think they maybe make a decision on him earlier than that. But in that hypothetical, if he's if he's cleared to play and he's ready just for the grand final, I think I think you come he comes in. I don't. There wouldn't be very many players that you would do that for. But I think the influence he has on the game, you bring him in. do it from us this week uh, as we said and as Miguel pointed out every week seems to be a danger game but certainly one coming up on the horizon a winnable game but one that we definitely do need to win as well so Miguel as always it's been great having you on the pod uh, feel free to shoot through that best 22 by the way so I can actually post it on your behalf but uh, yeah, thanks, uh, yeah thanks for coming on if the I, pod if, if I don't do it it's because I've forgotten and not because I've just found it too hard and uh, skipped out on it that's much better yeah that's much better 
Uh, thanks for the reassuring vote of confidence there. Um, no, no, all good. Thank you, as always, for coming on and discussing all things West Coast. Yeah, no worries. Keys to yourself, as always. Great to have you on the pod. Thank you for coming on the show this week. Yeah, good. Yeah, good chat. Uh, yeah, go Eggs. Pointy end of the season. If we need to bank the wins, we just need to lower the pressure on that second spot. All we can do is win. And uh, if we're going to manage to... Uh, put a bit of icing with a few goals on towards the end, well, that that just makes it even better. Let's do it. Let's cross our fingers for a win first and perhaps a very solid win second. Uh, we will talk to you at a similar time next week, hopefully on the heels of another West Coast Eagles victory. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to send them through to anybody on the pod or chuck them in the podcast thread. And if you've got your thoughts on best 22 combinations for the finals, feel free to post them in the thread. That'll do it for us this week. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.